Chapter Three of Why Is the Negro Lynched? This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Why Is the Negro Lynched? by Frederick Douglass. Chapter Three: The Three Stages of Negro Persecution. Their Object: His Disenfranchisement. But I come to another fact and an all-important fact bearing upon this case you will remember that during all the first years of reconstruction and long after the war negroes were slain by scores the world was shocked by these murders so that the southern press and people found it necessary to invent adopt and propagate almost every species of falsehood to create sympathy for themselves and to formulate excuses for thus gratifying their brutal instincts against the negro there was never at that time a charge made against any negro involving an assault upon any white woman or upon little white children in all the south during all this time the white women and children were absolutely safe during all this time there was no call for miss willard's pity or for bishop haygood's defence of burning negroes to death but killing negroes went on all the same you will remember also that during this time the justification for the murder of negroes was said to be negro conspiracies negro insurrections negro schemes to murder all the white people negro plots to burn the town and to commit violence generally these were the excuses then depended upon but never a word was then said or whispered about negro outrages upon white women and children so far as the history of that time is concerned white women and children were absolutely safe and husbands and fathers could leave their homes without the slightest anxiety for the safety of their families but now mark the change and the reasons for the change when events prove that no such conspiracies no such insurrections as were then pretended to exist and which were then paraded before the world in glaring headlines in the columns of nearly all our newspapers had ever existed or were even meditated when these excuses had run their course and had served their wicked purpose when the huts of the negroes had been searched and searched in vain for guns and ammunition to prove these charges against the negro and no such proof was found when there was no way open thereafter to prove these charges against the negro and no way to make the north believe in them they did not even then bring forward the present allegation but went on harassing and killing negroes just the same but this time they based their right to kill on the ground that it was necessary to check the dominion and supremacy of the negro and to secure the absolute rule of the anglo-saxon race it is important to notice and emphasize here the significant fact that there have been three distinct periods of persecutions of the negroes in the south and three distinct sets of excuses for this persecution they have come along precisely in the order they were most needed each was made to fit its special place first you remember as i have said it was insurrection when that wore out negro supremacy became the excuse when that was worn out then came the charge of assault upon defenceless women i undertake to say that this orderly arrangement and periodicity of excuses are significant they mean something and should not be overlooked 
they show design plan purpose and invention and now that negro insurrection and negro domination are no longer defensible as an excuse for negro persecution there has come in due course another suited to the occasion and that is the heart-rending cry of the white women and little white children now my friends i ask what is the manifest meaning of this charge at this time what is the meaning of the singular omission of this charge during the two periods preceding the present why was not this charge made at that time as now the negro was the same man then as to-day why i ask again was not this dreadful charge brought forward against the negro in war times and in reconstruction times had it existed either in war times or during reconstruction does any man doubt that it would have been added to the other charges and proclaimed upon the housetops and at the street corners as this charge is at present i will answer the question or you yourselves have already given the true answer for the plain and only rational explanation is that there was at the time specified no foundation for such a charge or that the charge itself was either not thought of or if thought of it was not deemed necessary to excuse the lawless violence with which the negro was then pursued and killed the old charges already enumerated were deemed all-sufficient things have changed since then and the old excuses are not now available the times have changed and the negro's accusers have found it necessary to change with them they have been compelled to invent a new charge to suit the times the old charges are no longer valid upon them the good opinion of the north and of mankind cannot be secured honest men no longer believe that there is any ground to apprehend negro supremacy times and events have swept away these old refuges of lies they were once powerful they did their work in their day and did it with terrible energy and effect but they are now cast aside as useless the lie has lost its ability to deceive the altered times and circumstances have made necessary a sterner stronger and more effective justification of southern barbarism and hence we have according to my theory to look into the face of a more shocking and blasting charge than either negro supremacy or negro insurrection i insist upon it that this new charge has come at the call of new conditions and that nothing could have been hit upon better calculated to accomplish its brutal purpose it clouds the character of the negro with a crime the most shocking that men can commit and is fitted to drive from the criminal all pity and all fair play and all mercy it is a crime that places him outside of the pale of the law and settles upon his shoulders a mantle of wrath and fire that blisters and burns into his very soul it is for this purpose it seems to me that this new charge unthought of and unknown in the times to which i have referred has been largely invented and thundered against us it is for this purpose that it has been constantly reiterated and adopted it was intended to blast and ruin the negro's character as a man and a citizen i need not tell you how thoroughly it has already done its work the negro may and does feel its malign influence in the very air he breathes he may read it in the faces of men among whom he moves it has cooled his friends 
it has heated his enemies and arrested at home and abroad in some measure the generous efforts that good men were wont to make for his improvement and elevation it has deceived his friends at the north and many good friends at the south for nearly all of them in some measure have accepted this charge against the negro as true its perpetual reiteration in our newspapers and magazines has led men and women to regard him with averted eyes dark suspicion and increasing hate some of the southern papers have denounced me for my unbelief in this charge and in this new crusade against the negro but i repeat i do not believe it and firmly deny the grounds upon which it is based i reject it because i see in it evidence of an invention called into being by a well-defined motive a motive sufficient to stamp it as a gross expedient to justify murderous assault upon a long enslaved and hence a hated people i not only reject it because it bears upon its face the marks of being a fraud a makeshift for a malignant purpose but because it has sprung upon the country simultaneously and in manifest cooperation with a declared purpose and a well-known effort and i may say a fixed determination to degrade the negro by judicial decisions by legislative enactments by repealing all laws for the protection of the ballot by drawing the color line in all railroad cars and stations and in all other public places in the south thus to pave the way to a final consummation which is nothing less than the negro's entire disenfranchisement as an american citizen it is to this great end that all the charges and complaints against the negro are directed and are made to converge this is and has been from first to last the grand and all-commanding object in view it is part of a well-devised reactionary movement against the negro as a citizen the old master class are wise in their day and generation they know if they can once divest the negro of the elective franchise and nullify his citizenship the partition wall between him and slavery will no longer exist and no man can tell where the reaction will stop the attack less upon crime than color again i do not believe it and deny it because the charge is not so much against the crime itself as against the color of the people alleged to be guilty of it slavery itself you will remember was a system of unmitigated legalized outrage upon black women of the south and no white man was ever shot burned or hanged for availing himself of all the power that slavery gave him at this point to sum up my argument on this lynching business it remains to be said that i have shown that the negro's accusers in this case have violated their oaths and have cheated the negro out of his vote that they have robbed and defrauded the negro systematically and persistently and have boasted of it i have shown that when the negro had every opportunity to commit the crime now charged against him he was never accused of it by his bitterest enemies i have shown that during all the years of reconstruction when he was being murdered at hamburg yazoo new orleans copaya and elsewhere he was never accused at that time of the crime now charged against him 
i have shown that in the nature of things no such change in character and composition of a whole people as this implies could have taken place within the limited period allowed for it i have shown that those who accuse him dare not confront him in a court of law and have their witnesses subjected to proper legal inquiry i have shown from the very constitution of a mob the slight causes by which it may be created and the sentiment by which it is impelled it cannot be depended on for either truth or justice i have shown that its sole aim is to execute not to find a true verdict and showing all this and more i have shown that they who charge the negro with this foul crime in such circumstances may be justly doubted and deemed unworthy of belief End of chapter three